Welcome back, Toronto. This is your guest host, Glenn Vigonia. You are listening to Toronto This Weekend. Ben Mulrooney, our normal host, is with his family and close loved ones. But his father just passed, our former Prime Minister, Brian Mulrooney. Ben will be with his family and loved ones for the next little while. He sends his thanks and love for all the appreciation that is sent. And we will keep you updated on any information that comes down the line, especially in regards to the state funeral. But as of now, I actually want to focus on Brian Mulrooney. We're going to talk about the legacy, the great, this great, great politician, and honestly, one of our last real and true politicians. And I'm not just going to do it alone. I want to bring on somebody who can really hold my hand and walk me through a lot of this stuff. And that's Craig Baird. He's the host of Canadian History X on Curious Cast. Craig, are you there? I am. Ah, oh, perfect. Thank you for joining me, sir. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, and off the top, we're about to get into his life, but I'm just curious before we dive into everything. Do you have any fond memories or anything that comes to mind when you hear Brian Mulrooney? Like, did something he did that you really agreed with or you really respected? Well, with Brian Mulrooney, he's kind of the first prime minister that I actually remember as a child. Mm. So I guess he'd be kind of my first prime minister. But in terms of things that I fondly remember with him, I would say it's definitely his environmental record. Yeah, see, I love this, that conservatives now are very much not seen as the environmentalist party, or at least as much so. But Brian Mulrooney is such a strong exception to that. And a lot of people really seem to grab onto that. So I, I really do love that. And I think, well, that might be a great place to start here. How serious was acid rain before Brian Mulrooney tackled it? Uh, it was a very serious problem. I mean, it was something we heard about all the time in the 1980s, acid rain. I mean, it was jokes on shows like The Simpsons and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was a very serious problem. And it's something that we don't really think about anymore. And a big reason for that is because of the U.S.-Canada Air Quality Agreement that he was able to get signed with the United States that really dealt with that problem and essentially helped eliminate it for the most part. I mean, obviously, it's not completely gone, but nowhere near where it was, you know, decades ago where it was considered one of our serious problems environmentally. Yeah, Mulrooney's whole thing, especially when he um, brought in all the eastern provinces together on this, was he wanted to um, reduce emissions by half, correct? Like it wasn't, we're completely eliminating all things that spew these emissions, but we're reducing it by half so that the acidity wouldn't be so strong in the rain. So that's essentially yeah. what it was, correct? Oh, absolutely. It used kind of a cap and trade system, which is something we know much more about today. And it was essentially to reduce the sulfur dioxide and nitrogen oxide that was in the air pollutants so that we didn't have that acid rain. And like I said, it was highly successful, uh, The what he was able to put forward. And then, so the big thing here beyond, you know, first of all, getting a bunch, about, what was it, seven or eight provinces to all align on an environmental goal that was not as understood then, which is beyond impressive, but he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ronald Reagan, who at that point was a powerful president who wasn't, well, let's just say he wasn't the easiest person to deal with in some regards, I imagine. And Brian Mulrooney, oh, yeah. at a point where Canada, once again, was a much smaller country on the international stage and everything that it is now, pretty much stood up and made him agree. How, how, how did he do that? Well, when we look back at Brian Mulrooney, one thing that people often site is the Shamrock Summit. And we kind of look at it back at, you know, kind of a funny thing with the president and the prime minister singing together. Mm. But in reality, what Brian Mulroney was doing was he was forging this strong bond with Reagan and the United States in order to get things that were important to him passed. Because obviously for the United States, a treaty on acid rain was not a huge deal, yeah. but it was for Brian Mulroney. So he used that relationship and, uh, you know, to put things like NAFTA through which the United States wanted, but then adding on things 
things like the Acid Rain Treaty. So he really knew how to work with that and have a close relationship with the United States because there were so many things that he wanted to do, but he needed the United States on board as well. Like it's almost Machiavellian how much he knew how to play this system. Like you said, he became <laughs> great friends with Ronald Reagan, almost killed him with kindness. And it's like, all right, cool. Now that we're friends, here are things you need to talk about that are serious and you don't have the same, I don't know, desire to be difficult with me. And that once again, is just the definition and correct me if I'm wrong of a genuine true statesman who understands the tact and diplomacy that's required in geopolitics. And I love it. So he was able to go toe to toe with Ronald Reagan. He tackled acid rain. And somehow those two things aren't even some of his biggest feats, like, you know, essentially standing strong against South African apartheid when a lot of the world wasn't taking such a vigilant stance. Why did he take such a strong stance against it? I'm not pretending I agreed with or I value anything to do with apartheid, but in that time, this is Canada, which was a predominantly white nation with a white prime minister who stood up for black rights and values in a country that essentially, well, not Canada, but South Africa didn't. So I'm curious how and why he was able to stand up to that. Well, apartheid was something that obviously he didn't agree with at all. And some credit has to go to Joe Clark, who was also very instrumental in pushing against apartheid. And when we think of apartheid now, we think that, you know, the world was against it. We had banned the South Africa from competing in the Commonwealth Games. And while the world and especially the Commonwealth was against apartheid, they weren't against sanctions because they worried about how that would hurt their economies, especially the United Kingdom. And Mulroney was the one who was saying, we have to have sanctions. And he pushed for it, even though that put him at odds with Margaret Thatcher, who was another close ally. But it was successful. With the sanctions, they were able to push South Africa away from apartheid. And when Nelson Mandela was released, one of his first calls was to Brian Mulroney to thank him and Canada for what they did to end apartheid. And then Nelson Mandela made a trip to Canada within, I believe, about six months of being released. Mm, yeah, no, and it's a, a very iconic moment of him standing in the House of Commons thanking everybody for being there. And it's just great. So once again, we're just, we're jumping around and we're missing a lot of the small stuff in between because Brian Mulroney is too, there's just too much to this man. And I, this is the one thing I really want to talk about, how he didn't seem to care so much about party, well, about crossing the party lines, about being partisan on issues that required Canadians to come together. This was a man who was routinely able to cross lines and work with people who were on the other side. And this continued after his tenure as the prime minister, correct? Oh, absolutely. There were many stories that I saw online of liberal politicians, even liberal politicians who were children when Brian Mulroney was prime minister, who said they would receive phone calls when, say, a close relative died or something like that. And with Brian Mulroney, it was never a case of, you know, what happens in the House of Commons goes out into my personal life and I don't like you in the House of Commons, so I don't like you in, you know, outside in the street. The best analogy that I heard was it's kind of like hockey players. They'll fight on the ice and then go have beers afterwards. What's you know, what's professional is professional, what's personal is personal. And really nowhere else did we see that more than with John Turner, who was the leader of the opposition in the Liberal Party, who often went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Brian Mulroney. They would have mm -hmm. really good debates. Uh, it would seem like they didn't like each other. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they had been friends since the 1960s and remained close friends after they both left politics. And that just showed his ability to separate work from personal and make sure that what happened in the House of Commons wasn't influencing how he acted to people outside of the House of Commons. And that's, I feel like, is a disappearing and dying trait in our politicians, at least our state of politics, 
not even in just Canada and the world these days. And it is refreshing to remember that we did have a much higher standard at one point in time. So, Craig, we are coming toward the end of the segment. I want to say thank you very much for helping to examine the life, at least part of the life we were able to look into, of our former Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney. Oh, well, thank you for having me. All right. That is Craig Baird. He is the host of Canadian History X on Curious Cast. Really trying to kind of summarizing the all the things, or at least the things we can touch on, that Brian Mulroney, our 18th Prime Minister, was able to do during Prime Minister and even after.